You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In this studio with me today is Ken Case, CEO of the Omni Group. Say hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. <laughs> Listeners, I don't know if you could tell, but he, he does that with a smile on his face, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, we publish a roadmap on our blog, and last week we published our roadmap for 2020. And Ken is here to talk about our plans for all of our various apps, OmniFocus, OmniGraphful, OmniOutliner, and OmniPlan. But first, uh, let's talk about what we did last year. We obviously published a roadmap for 2019, and, and we did things. Maybe the biggest one was OmniFocus for the web. Yeah, that was a long-awaited project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've talked about how that was in the making, in a way, for 10 or 15 years or something. Yeah, over 10 years, but on hold most of that time. Sure. So we had started it back before 2010, before the iPad was announced. Right. And we were working on that when we learned about the iPad and, mm-hmm. and then suddenly interrupted our plans and put that on hold for <laughs> a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very nice to get back to this last year and get that shipped. Customers seem to be using it and enjoying it, and that's yeah. that's what matters. Yeah, that's good. It's it's quite a departure for us because we've been all Mac apps and iOS apps for quite some time. And how are we handling that? I mean, it's it's really is a new platform for us. Yeah, well, it's certainly a new set of technologies for us to be right. doing it. We we have you know a background in doing web products and so on from back in the 90s in the early days of the web oh, where we right, were doing sure. web objects apps and mm-hmm. and so on so that from that point of view the technology wasn't new to us the idea of doing a web right. app let's put it that way and sort of how those interactions might work but the stack has changed a lot from the 90s to the oh, 2000s right. to the 2010s uh to now here we are in the 2020s and i'm sure it'll keep moving forward mm-hmm. so no we didn't have anything like re- the react components that we're using now in on focus for the oh, web sure. when we started it the first time Stack has been uh, pretty great, actually, so far. Yeah. One of the rougher areas, perhaps, from the technology point of view, is that JavaScript is a very untyped language, which is great for prototyping, but mm. not so great for maintaining a large code base. So, mm. in fact, this year, it's not in this roadmap at all. Sorry, I'm just diverging right. too much. But uh, okay. this people, year, we're... People like the behind the scenes, you know, so, yeah. so We're in the process of converting all of our JavaScript code for OmniFocus for the web over to TypeScript, which is right. Microsoft's type-safe uh, sort of pre-processed to uh, JavaScript language. And so it turns into JavaScript when it's actually... Right. In, in the, in when the, the web browser sees it, it's yeah. JavaScript. Okay. That's pretty cool. But when we build it, then uh, we actually get type checking. Mm. We're likely to find errors or see errors or know whether we called something with the wrong parameters before we shipped some code out there. Okay. Uh, that, that's a good thing. And hopefully we'll, stuff like that can help with productivity and, and yeah, yeah and, fixing bugs. You know, there's, there's a place for both types of development in the world, right? They, all the list-based languages and Smalltalk and so on have been typed less for ages. And Objective-C mm-hmm. sort of had both worlds where you could have these IDs that were basically untyped or you could have strongly typed variables. Um, Swift has gone very much for the strongly typed right. world and that's where most of us are programming so i think it helps to at least be consistent when you're mm. programming between a couple of different systems and heard it here first omni <laughs> we're all about types now <laughs> that's cool so yeah so omni focus for the web shipped doing well we also added uh dropped actions to omni focus and that's in omni focus for the web as well as the 
Mac and iOS apps, right? Yeah. As we were thinking about what does it look like to collaborate with somebody else on a task, and, you know, have some shared tasks. That's one of the things that's been on our roadmap now for a while. Uh, what things we realize is, well, sometimes you're just going to say, I didn't do this, but I'm not going to either. I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get this um, off the plate or I canceled the, the idea of doing this thing. So we thought dropped actions were important. They're also useful individually as well as collaboratively. I finally feel like I can take a bunch of the stuff that was in my inbox and say, I'm never going to do those things, drop them and have a record though, that I decided not to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't get tempted to re-add them again later or something. Oh, that may, yeah. So for many uses, it's better than just deleting it or checking it off, even though it's not a thing you did. It, it depends yeah. on what kind of person you are. But sure. for the, <laughs> so, but we like to have a record of all the things we decided not to do as well yeah. as what we did. Do. Um, I'm the opposite. I, I delete everything. Yeah, right. I've done it, it clear. <laughs> get, get it away. Let's pretend it never happened. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we also added optional subscriptions as a new licensing thing last year. So we have a couple different options now. We still have the kind of traditional pay up front, but now we have the subscription to get OmniFocus on all three platforms. Right. Yeah. And that's obviously a big change for us as well. That sure. Up until this point, all of our software has been pre licensed like you would prepay for whatever you're going to get mm-hmm. if we did some new version of a product in the future you would pay for an upgrade price and, and get that and start using it uh, but as we looked at omnifocus for the web in particular we knew we were building something that had ongoing cost to keep running and so we needed a continuing revenue stream to support that sure so obviously if you're going to do that then the thing that makes the most sense is to do subscriptions mm-hmm. well if you're paying a subscription to get omnifocus for the web you're probably going to want something that's simpler so that you just get it for everything at once, not have to buy a couple of things up front and then pay this ongoing subscription. That might feel weird. So, right. So we decided to make the universal OmniFocus subscription and then have a web-only counterpart for the people who had already purchased OmniFocus. We don't, we don't want them to have to buy it again. Oh, sure. Yeah. So in OmniGraphical land, last year we did a uh, wrap to shape. Tell me about that. This has actually been a sort of long uh, requested feature where instead of just having text formed into rectangles where your paragraphs are all always aligned to a left edge or, mm-hmm. or maybe to a right edge, but there's, but there's some kind of alignment to a straight line on one side or the other. Okay. Or maybe you have it centered. Uh, but now with wrapped text, you can fill a circle. And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, your first line is short and the next line is wider and wider and then it starts getting shorter and shorter again until you get back to the end. Or you can fill a star, you can fill a triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good for some types of flowcharts because... You know, those do have some different shapes, angles, oh, sure. shapes, and diamond so or whatever. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you can fit plain text in there. Okay. But sometimes that makes the rest of the shape just be much bigger than it would need to be. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you can wrap your text inside there, it, it's a lot easier. So, uh, so that's something we've wanted for a long, long time now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice to finally have it in, in OmniGraffle. That's cool. And a big thing in OmniGraffle last year was performance. And uh, we did at least one podcast episode on that. And I have some idea there was an awful lot of work that went into that. There was a lot of work, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was partially a surprise that we ended up having to do that detour towards performance at all. Because, in fact, OmniGraphel had been written in a way that was very performant on Mac some years ago. But then mm-hmm. the display architecture changed out from underneath us. Ah, right. And how how we got bits to the screen uh, the old way was no longer as efficient as it had been. And so we mm. had to think about how do we break things up and put it into tiles and only draw one of these tiles at a time sure, and so on. Yeah. So that when you scroll, you're not redrawing the whole canvas. Uh, right. And of course, these days we have retina screens. We have so many more pixels. Yeah. 
So I think we made a lot of good progress last year on that front. I'm not even sure that we're quite back to as fast as we used to be. So we're Mm -hmm. still continuing to work on performance even now. It's one of the things going into uh, this next update. Performance is always can always be improved everywhere. I mean, in any app. So yeah, if you're noticing any delay at all, then then that's too much delay. (laughs) Yeah, right. So WWDC last year was really big, and so we had to take a detour for let's see support for multiple windows. Context menus, uh, dark mode, dark mode, which we that even hinted at last year. Right? Right. <laughs> yeah. We said you heard it here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, our summer and going into the bit of the fall, it was kind of every single app needed needed a bunch of work. We also adopted the standard document browser. Yeah, the standard, which you know, it's been around for a while now. Was that iOS nine when that came in? Maybe, but it was. It was a little rough, shall we say, <laughs> to yeah. start with, and we weren't ready to implement. And, uh, and of course, there were uh, last year, Apple introduced the new shortcuts actions that mm. people can build into, that developers can add to apps directly. So, yeah, lots of work um, over the summer based on Apple's announcements in June at WWDC, trying to get everything ready for this fall when, when all that stuff shipped, right. for last fall. Yeah, I wonder about uh, WWDC 2020. Are we going to see as many? Really big changes oh, I hope like not. that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, part of me hopes so because you know they're often great. Like That's you true. You mentioned you know the multiple windows is, can be a real productivity boon for people, but right. boy, <laughs> it keeps us on our toes. <laughs> it doesn't leave a lot of time in our roadmap for the other things we want to get right, done. Sure, yeah. it's always interesting. Uh, um, at least we always have a pretty good idea of when WWDC would be instead right. of <laughs> floating every year. So. Still, though, hard to plan. And a pretty good idea of when the iPhone's going to ship, at least. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A little bit of predictability helps. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've got a bunch more uh, new OmniFocus actions. That was another part of what we were working on. I've been impressed by what I see, you know, with shortcuts in general, but also, you know, what we've been able to do with OmniFocus and shortcuts. Yeah, well, it's fun that, uh, you know, some of the work that we have done on shortcuts shipped right away as soon as uh, our iOS 13 update shipped mm-hmm. or OmniFocus. Some of the work we're still doing right now, and mm-hmm. in fact, in the current public test flight build, there are a few new actions that replace Apple's old built-in actions. But okay. because we have more control over it, we can do things like, I want to add an item and then come back and manipulate that item in some way. Mm-hmm. And the power that Shortcuts is offering us is, is really a lot of fun to see and play with. I like how that introduces, you know, a whole new generation of, of people to, well, in a way, it's their first coding, right? They're right. working up some logic and making a custom thing. and It's pretty neat. A little different than basic programming. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that was mine. Oh, man. <laughs> Go to 10. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I still remember when my mom first taught me, uh, there was a Go sub command in basic so you could have like a subroutine mm-hmm. i remember and then, yeah. then come back from that because i was just duplicating all my code and just using go to's everywhere and she explained to me about subroutines oh. <laughs> i was like that's the best one day lesson i think i've had in my entire life <laughs> my code got a lot better <laughs> that's awesome it was nice having two parents who were programmers right yeah now, your mom did lisp uh, or she, is that your dad uh she she did lisp uh she did Fortran and uh, later life, she did Java and a lot of Ada. Okay. And that's probably all I'm legally allowed to say. All right. <laughs> once once Ada comes into the the discussion, that ends the discussion. 
Yeah. So we had a huge year last year. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot done. Let's talk about 2020. One thing people ask a lot about is uh, collaboration features. So we laid some of the groundwork for that. Dropped Actions, for instance, was part of that. But people want collaboration in OmniFocus. So what, what's our plan there? I don't want to sound like a broken record, sure, <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, but it's still a, a big priority for us. We keep making progress toward it every year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our vision for how it works, the basic, simplest feature, at least, for how you would share a task with somebody else. And I can give you a task. You, can, you and I both see the status of it when you check it off or when I check it off. Both of us see that it's been done. Mm-hmm. You know, that basic part of it hasn't really changed. We have, of course thought over time about, well, are there, is that enough? What else can and should we be doing? Sure. But before we get distracted down those lines, I really want to at least <laughs> deliver the, ba- the most basic feature yeah. and get that out I think there. it may be one of those classic cases where you, you deliver the thing and then you learn, you know, our users will tell us what, what, what they problems they still have, yeah, right? Absolutely. And we'll figure out how to solve those. So that's coming up for 2020. That'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Finally getting yeah. <laughs> that, that piece of work done. So we're also better integrating OmniFocus and OmniPlan. Same thing where you, you know, people working on a project really want to be able to say, all of these tasks are assigned to Ken, all of these other tasks are assigned to Brent. Let's have it automatically delegate those tasks out to each person's OmniFocus database. Mm. They can check things off and it will automatically update the plan. Right. So, so Mark's the project manager, right? Running OmniPlan. And he's giving you and me tasks and exactly and shows up in our thing and he sees when we check them off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mark's laughing. Really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that's an important thing. That is not part of uh, OmniPlan 4.0 because I don't want to hold back 4.0 for Omni Focus uh, Mm -hmm. having this stuff ready. Uh, But it's definitely something that I want to get done by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. Another big topic is um, you wrote about improving the flow of our apps. That includes keyboard shortcuts and navigation on uh, iPads, which is right. amazing how often people ask for that. But yeah, that's like such a desired thing. Yeah, well, when we started building our apps for iPad, when we did this iPad or bust thing 10 years ago, we weren't really thinking very much about the keyboard. In fact, I don't, I'm trying to remember, did they even have, did Apple make a keyboard there was. yet? Or was remember it remember that weird stand? Yeah. I mean, was that it? wasn't that a little bit later though? Maybe it was always I think, there. I think it was on the first one. But it wasn't some, didn't feel like something I wanted to use all the time. Let's put it right. that way. Uh, and the operating system didn't really make it easy to use all the time. You couldn't right. yeah. uh, launch apps from the keyboard, for example. But right. over time, the operating system has gotten much better with its keyboard support. And our original designs, which were, let's take advantage of the touch interface there, and we'll take advantage of the keyboard on the Mac. Keyboard support has been great on the Mac. Uh, I live on uh, oh, the yeah. Mac with my keyboard. But more and more people are starting to use their iPads as replacements for their laptops altogether. And just when they go on a trip or something, they take their iPad and they're ready to go and they don't need anything else. And we want that experience to be as good as it can be. So we're also looking at not just keyboard shortcuts, but the general flow of our apps, how you navigate around and get things done. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, as you navigate around some of our apps, there are just too many tabs to get from one place to another. Uh, as you navigate, for example, the sidebar in OmniFocus, you end up going into a perspective and then maybe into a folder or back mm-hmm. out again. And this in and out stuff is, is yeah. way too inefficient. We, sure. we want something to be to feel fluid, to feel like it's right there all the time. And 
uh, that you can get to it quickly when you need it, mm. uh, as well as good ways to jump from one place to another when you do want to make a more distant jump. Mm. Like, go to the search field and type the name of a project and, and, oh, sure. it, and just quickly like get quick there. open kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure a lot of people look forward to that too. But a big thing coming up is JavaScript automation. We'll ship in OmniFocus this year, and that will be the last of four to get yeah, automation. Mean, speaking of long-term projects that right. we that we we spent many years working on that. This is something we started about five years ago. And as a programmer, automation is interesting in and of itself for me. Sure. But I know that's not where most of our customers are at, and that's not a good reason to justify putting in our products. Mm-hmm. For our customers, what I think makes automation interesting is that it helps them be able to extend the app in ways that we didn't anticipate, whether that's integrating with another app or communicating with you know, a website taking maps off the internet and putting them into OmniGraffle to, to draw like a map of your city or something. Those are the sorts of APIs that make a big difference. And so automation, uh, if folks have heard about web APIs that are used for apps to talk to each other on the web, mm. automation APIs or JavaScript APIs in a native app serve the exact same purpose, but for things that are native apps. Mm. They, you know, you don't talk to a native app over the web, you talk to it through its own local API. Uh, on the Mac, we had some great APIs in the form of AppleScript APIs, mm. and customers have made great use of those over the years for things like Kinkless GTD and Omni Outliner. Right. But when we started bringing our apps over to iPad, we knew you know the underlying apps still had all that power, but we were missing the ability to have them talk to each other, mm. communicate with each other, or do some of those same levels of customization mm-hmm. to bring new features like I want to put templates into Omni focus template projects right well, with it with an api you can do that really easily a few things I, I like about this one is that you can share your scripts with somebody else right so if there's something everybody at your company needed to do periodically there could be a script that someone writes and right everybody gets it so you don't even have to be a scripter to get the benefits absolutely in yeah. fact i think our goal is that most people getting the benefits shouldn't have to be writing scripts themselves we mm-hmm. want to make it as easy as possible for people who don't write code to find these things and to install them and use them just mm-hmm. like they would an app. Right. Most people who use apps and benefit from them don't know how to write them. And the same should be true for these scripts. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be able to write OmniFocus to be able to use OmniFocus. Right. Yeah. But we do need to make sure that it's easy for you to, you to use. And in this first iteration, now we've sort of laid the ground floor of, we're almost there with OmniFocus, but with all the rest of the apps, at least the Omni automation stuff, the JavaScript APIs are built in and the coders can start using it. And that's needed for the next step, which is, okay, now let's get the product that the coders are writing out to mm-hmm. people who are interested in using it. Uh, just like Apple had to give us APIs to use the iPhone and iPad and Mac so that we could build apps before they had an app store that you could sell those apps in. Right. Not that we're looking to build an app store, to be yeah. clear. <laughs> <laughs> just. Another thing I really like about this kind of automation is not just that it saves time and you can share your things with other people, but it saves on errors too, right? So if Absolutely. you automate something, it's going to do it the same way every time. But if you're doing it manually, you're going to mess up every third go or something like that, right? Yeah, when there's any sort of routine, mm-hmm. that's a great time to bring in some automation. And then with things like Siri and shortcuts and its ability to trigger things, mm-hmm. you know, you could ask Siri to do something and you can have that trigger a JavaScript automation inside OmniFocus or whatever. That's sweet. Yeah. A lot easier. Uh, this is yet another way to quickly access some things instead mm-hmm. of having to go tap around and hunt for things. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think 
particularly with OmniFocus, when this comes out, uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. Yeah. So we're also adding a new thing, sign-in licensing. So this is an optional new thing. We're not changing how people buy our apps, but tell me more about sign-in licensing. You know, we've been trying to make licensing seamless for our customers for <laughs> well, forever. Sure. Like in, in my ideal world, people, customers would never have to think about licensing or how to buy the stuff. They would just try it out, decide if this is for them, and then have some easy way to give us the appropriate amount of money to, mm-hmm. to buy it and use it. But there have always been the practical questions of, well, how, how exactly does that payment happen? Does it happen on our website? Does it happen through the app store? Does it, right. And some of the, you know, how the payment is made has dictated which version of the app you could install it in because we're not allowed to unlock the app store apps based on uh, like a license code that you would purchase somewhere else. Okay. Uh, because Apple right. understandably wants to their cut sure. <laughs> for running the app store. But this has led to situations where customers will, you know, buy the app. They're on our website. They see the stuff, they download it, they run it, they buy it, they install it. It's all great. Uh, then they go buy a new Mac, they log in, they download it from the app store this time, mm. but they can't figure out where to enter the license code. And then we have to explain, right. oh, well, you've got to go download the other copy. And well, it's kind of a messy situation. So fortunately, we're not the first people to go down this path. Adobe and Microsoft have also, you know, experienced similar problems. And, and we think what Microsoft has done is actually a, a pretty reasonable model. So when you buy Microsoft Office, you get a login that you can use to unlock any version of Microsoft Office on whatever mm-hmm. platform you're using, whether you're on Windows or on Mac or on iOS. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in our case, as we've developed OmniFocus for the web, we applied a very similar model where if, when you buy a subscription to OmniFocus, that subscription is associated with your sign-in, your Omni account, mm-hmm. and you can log in on any device to unlock OmniFocus on that device. Well, we quickly started hearing from customers saying, this is so much simpler, why don't you do that for all your apps? So that is what we're looking to do. Yeah. That is an improvement over the old days of, I would have some special file somewhere with all my licenses and hope I always remember to add it there and you know all this other stuff. Well, I think it's particularly useful for some of our business customers where they're trying to manage license codes for say a few thousand copies of OmniGraffle mm-hmm. and they didn't buy them all at once. So they, you know, maybe 50 at a time or whatever. And they've right. got now many hundreds of license codes that they're mm. keeping track of in a spreadsheet or wherever, I don't know what yeah, they're doing. And sure. then how do they keep track of which people are using which ones? And it seems like a big mess. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to simplify that experience for, for them as well. So we're going to get floating time zones in OmniFocus. Did I, did I read that right? Oh. We are. You picked yeah. that out of that little aside, did you? I did. I, did. I, I don't travel a lot, but whenever I do, I'm like, everything seems wrong. Yeah, well, I don't travel a lot. And most of the time when I travel, I'm within the time right, zone because sure. I'm just going down California, to visit yeah. Apple or something. And clearly this is an area where we were not experiencing the pain as much as a lot of our customers sure. were. For people who don't know, right now in OmniFocus, if you assign like a future time to an item that you're trying to get done, like you give it a due date or you give it a deferred date, that time is associated with the time zone that you are entering it in right now. So if I enter 8 p.m., it's 8 p.m. Seattle time. Mm. And if I fly to New York, when the alarm goes off there, it will be 11 p.m. New York time because that's when it's 8 p.m. in Seattle. Sometimes that's okay because sometimes, well, maybe I was trying to schedule something with you and you're still back in Seattle and so the time zone makes sense. But most of the time when people are entering tasks into a personal task management system like OmniFocus, Mm. they are wanting to enter times for their own 
clock and their own biorhythms. When they shift time zones, and you know, particularly when they tell the device to go ahead and shift time zones, it's because they want to be on that new time mm-hmm. and they want all their 9 a.m. things to happen at 9 a.m., not at noon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah, I think like the reminders app, Apple's, you know, if we go to the simplest, simplest case here, the reminders app doesn't even have time zone support, support as far mm-hmm. as I could find. Mm-hmm. So we think that is the basic case and we just started with it wrong. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So that is coming not in this very next release, but the very next one that's coming up is 3.5. And I have a bit more to say about that in a second. But in OmniFocus 3.6, we're planning to add floating time zone support. And that will be out in February. So will that be it? When you're entering a date or editing, will that just be an option, like make this floating or non-floating? I think the right thing to do is to make it always floating by default. Okay. And if you mean that you really want to fix this in time, like you want it to be associated with 8 p.m. Pacific and not float with you when you change time right. zones, then we'll have the option for you to lock it down and say, no, I, I mean this time zone, mm-hmm. keep it there. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But otherwise, I think all of the times should move with you. So uh, OmniFocus for the web will continue adding features, get closer and closer to parity. You mentioned the, it will get a focus feature and um, custom perspectives. And actually, since writing the blog post, I remembered that we've had in public test for quite a while some improvements to forecast. Oh, where we added support for defer dates and the forecast tag mm-hmm. showing up there. We realized the, the approach we were using didn't leverage enough of the architecture that we already had in place on the back end for how do we manage where things go in the app. Mm. So we plan to ship all of those features. <laughs> yep. Just put it that way. Looking forward to doing that uh, over the next few months. So what's coming up soonest for us before we talk about OmniPlan 4? What are we shipping in the first half of the year that people could look for? Well, OmniPlan 4 is in the first half of the year. It's right, right. But I figured we'd save that for last because <laughs> it's yes, so cool. But it but, is uh, a pretty big one. What, what's what's um, coming up in Focus and Graffle and things? Well, so I think this automation work that we're doing, we're going to see several updates here to try to smooth out this experience for the non-developers, mm-hmm. the people who just want to use scripts that other people are writing and to be able to find them and quickly install them and so on. So we're going to uh, make that experience smoother as well as making the experience for the developers who are doing automation easier as well, like give them some of the new APIs that they might need to get things done. And of course, finishing off the APIs in OmniFocus and making that officially uh, Mm -hmm. available. It's in a preview right now. So if there are developers out there who are looking to script OmniFocus with JavaScript today, you can look us up, <laughs> send us an uh, email, and we'll tell you how to get that enabled in your copy. Yeah, so we'll be working on the automation stuff. We'll be working on, of course, the floating time zones. When we shipped OmniFocus shortcuts for iOS 13, we added some really great new capabilities, like I want to be able to find items in my database. Uh, you know, Previously, we had some automations in place that were URL-based. They even integrated with shortcuts, uh, built into the shortcuts app, where you could add things to OmniFocus, mm-hmm. so it was kind of one way. We always have wanted to be able to let uh, scripts not just add things to OmniFocus, but also read from the, you know, maybe show you what are the things that are due this week. Okay. Uh, what are the things that I accomplished in this past week? Mm. It's various types of searches and queries and things. Searches and reports. And then you can take that and do whatever else you want to do with it. Maybe you want to mail it to your boss. Maybe you want to mail it to your spouse. Talk about upcoming vacations, whatever. We added a find items shortcut this last year when shortcuts added support for building in these shortcut actions. But the architecture we used for that model really wasn't, it was designed for earlier iOS extensions where they only needed access to a small piece of the database. Mm -hmm. And so we were copying out that small piece of the database and then they could work with that. That really is no longer, you know, if you're doing a general shortcut, you want to be able to get to everything. Right, sure. 
And over the years, the architecture on iOS for extensions and on Mac, for that matter, has gotten better and better. Now it's possible for us to have a framework of code that is shared between the Mac and iOS. Mm. And so what we've done for this upcoming 3.5 release that's in public test right now is we've moved that entire database out to where all of the extensions can see it and work with Mm. it directly. And we've given them direct access to our normal apps model code so that they can do the full range of calculations that the app does. So for example, if you're using the Today extension and you have a perspective in there and you're checking items off, it knows when you check an item off and that was a prerequisite for another item becoming available, that other item can now show up in that thing immediately instead of waiting for you to go launch the app and kind of sync up and refresh what was its external data model. Uh, And that also applies to what we're doing in our shortcut actions. So now the shortcuts have full access to the database. They can get to everything. You know, we can start looking at things like, I want to add an action that will let me edit an item and Mm -hmm. manipulate it. Oh, Uh, okay. Or delete items for people who delete things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I just want a shortcut that deletes everything. Yeah, delete everything that's already been completed. Like, send a quick report of it and and then get rid of it. That will be possible as we finish out this round of shortcut improvements. Our biggest app update coming in the first half of the year is probably OmniPlan 4. So what's coming in OmniPlan 4? Wow. It's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing that jumps to mind is the thing that I teased in the uh, roadmap blog post, which is a new feature for uh, interval tracking. Mm-hmm. So this is a feature that a lot of customers have asked for where they have entered their project plan data into OmniPlan. And, you know, maybe this is a two-year project or something, and they have dozens or hundreds of people involved. And they're wondering, you know, now that I've got this all planned out, I'm ready to get going. I need to know what to budget for each month as I go along. Okay. How much money am I spending in January? How much money am I spending in February? And so on. And Omni plan in the past, you could look at the Gantt chart yourself and try to figure that out. Mm. But we didn't have any way to calculate that automatically for you. We didn't have any interval-based reporting of, I see. here's what happened in this month. Here's so what's going to happen. It would give you a total, I assume? Yeah. Total. And a breakdown. Mm. So now, and then there's a screenshot in my roadmap blog post. Now you can turn on this interval tracking and see month by month or week by week, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. intervals you're looking at, how much money does this group of tasks cost me? Mm -hmm. How much money are we spending on uh, development? How much are we spending on testing? How much are we spending on documentation uh, on a month by month basis? Or maybe it's not money. Maybe you already have the resources in your organization somewhere. But you need to know how many hours am I going to need from each of these oh, teams, right? This, okay. The same problem applies. So I'll, I'll call it more cost tracking than money tracking. Sure. Uh, whether that cost is time or cash. So we think that will help a lot of our planning pro- yeah, <laughs> customers yeah. who, are, who are working with these project plans. Yeah, it sounds it's like a big, sounds huge. Yeah. yeah, it has been a long requested feature. Yeah. So beyond uh, interval tracking, you know, one of the other things that customers have been asking us for for years has been uh, the ability to add recurring tasks to their project. So sometimes you're doing something and it just repeats week after week. Like you have a meeting that the team is all going to. And as long as the project is going on, that meeting is going on. But you didn't want to have to write down 50 different meeting projects (laughs) for every week that you were going on. Now with repeating tasks, you have that ability. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty common need, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. for some types of projects, it makes sure. a lot of sense. For it, uh, If it made sense for every project, it would have been there in there from the start, oh, right, I guess. Right. It's been one of the things we've been listening to our customers you know, tell us that, that they wanted, mm-hmm. wanted to see. So we decided now is the right time to build that in. Cool. 
Cool. We also have been looking at doing task rollup. That recurring meeting thing is, is an example of this. It's not the only example, but if you have something that's happening week after week, you don't want 50 different line items for each one of those occurrences. Mm-hmm. You would like to collapse that and show it all on one line where the event just repeats Oh, sure. On the timeline as it happens. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to do it just for recurring tasks. We wanted to make this a more general feature. And so now you can, for example, if you have a number of milestones, you can have just one milestone group. And if you roll that up, you'll see each of those milestones listed on that line instead of on their own separate lines. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of great features. We've also just been working on the navigation and interface. How do we get to things more quickly? How do we make them more discoverable? And a number of things along those lines. And I won't spoil all of the news because I'm sure Ainsley, sure. Ainsley would like to share it. Yeah. <laughs> future and, episode. Uh, yeah. We'll certainly talk to her on the show about it. And uh, are we shipping OmniPlan for Mac? Some of the work has already been done in OmniPlan for, for mm-hmm. iOS. But what is about ready to start testing uh, public test now is the Mac version. And that's what we'll be shipping in the first half of the year. Okay. Have we covered everything? Our listeners want all the details, of course. What else? <laughs> anything else that we could tell them? I think we have covered the highlights of specific plans that are going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, there was a lot of extra detail about each of our products that I didn't have time to get into. And, sure. and I don't know that now is the right time to get into them either. Yeah. As I was writing the roadmap, I wanted to make sure that people at least had a sense for what we're working on, what we're planning mm-hmm. to do, and whether we're going in a direction that is aligned with what they're wanting to see. Mm-hmm. Things that are very important to us, hopefully are reflected in our plans and our values there. So we're trying to make sure that customers are able to accomplish more work every day and make that work as easy and fluid as possible. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, Ken. How can people find you on the web? You can find me on the web at omnigroup.com. Right. (laughs) Omnigroup.com. Look for the blog, look for this blog post, which I'm sure it'll be linked in the podcast notes. It'll be in the show Uh, notes. You can find me personally, you know, if you want to reach out to me directly, Best places to do that are probably Twitter, where I am at K Case. So K, my first initial, and Case, C A S E, my last name. And you can also send me email uh, at KC at Omnigroup.com. KC at Omnigroup.com. That's yeah. easy. Well, I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Mark's voice is coming back. He had a little bit of a cold, I guess, this week. Poor guy. But. He made it. He's here for the recording. Yeah. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Mew. Tick.